We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Craig Kimbrell is a Los Angeles Dodger, and the fantasy baseball market is shifting constantly. We'll try to keep you updated on everything going on. Hope you'll join us for the next hour on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. And I hit the wrong button. Here we go. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Clay Link here with Todd Zola of Rotowire and Masters Ball. Always great talking with you, Todd. And Trying to stay on top of everything is a tough task right now. It's a lot changing. And we got the big news of Craig Kimbrell earlier today, traded to the Dodgers for AJ Pollock. It's a wild time. How are you doing, though, Todd, uh, considering all the craziness? It's fun. It's good, good, good kind of crazy. We uh, finally have to not have to worry about should I carry Kimbrell with a lot of saves? What do we do? Us projectionists are happy about it. And isn't it fun to see an old-fashioned challenge, one-for-one, one, no shenanigans, no money, no prospects, my player for your player trade? Those are fun. I'd love to see that. Yeah, it uh, seems to make sense for both sides. I was looking at the back half of that that White Sox lineup, and I thought, yeah, A.J. Pollock's a pretty good fit there, especially with you know Vaughn Hurt, and they never signed Michael Conforto. Who knows you know, what the heck's going to happen with him? But uh, I felt like, yeah, that they could use another bat in the back half of that order. So AJ Pollock was kind of a luxury for that Dodgers. Well, yeah, well, luxury. Well, he had a starting position, but they have flexibility, as we'll talk about, to backfill. But I think defensively, as much of any, as much as anything, there's some serious fantasy, you know, assets on that White Sox stack: Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito, even a closer, Liam Hendricks. I think it's kind of cool that they've improved their defense. They don't have to worry about Andrew Vaughn, you know, trying to shack flies in right field and Gavin Sheets even. So I think from a fantasy pitching perspective, I like to see AJ Pollock with the White Sox. As far as fantasy implications go, I'll just throw some, some at you right now. Like is Blake trying in a drop in 12 teams this weekend? Yes. 12 teams. He is. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. And, uh, yeah, with Gavin Lux, I think this helps his value, but do you see him as like a big riser or a modest increase in value? What do you, what's your stance on Lux in light of this trade? 
Yeah, the Dodgers, like we mentioned, they they have a lot of flexibility. It was a kind of an under-the-radar move, but they they actually ended up being a traded Matt Beattie to San Diego. So I put him, DFA'd him and ended up being a trade to San Diego, if I'm not mistaken. But the point being, it doesn't sound like much, but it clears up, you know, 20% of the playing time somewhere, especially because Freddie Freeman is not going to be moved off, you know, not going to – he plays almost every day. So we don't need a, don't need a backup first baseman like the, the, the Dodgers used to, and Max Muncy can fill in there if necessary. But even so, it's just a little bit more playing time. Uh, Lux, I don't know if I'm running out to get him in 12-teamers, but I think in a 15-teamer, I think you if you can upgrade a reserve spot, I think it's worth it, especially because they'll probably have multiple eligibility, second base outfield or whatever it might be, before too long. So I do like, I do like Lux as a reserve stash if possible. And they, yeah, they still have a lot of moving parts for that team, but I do think maybe Edwin Rios sneaks in too. Like maybe yeah. they, maybe they find room for both of those guys, perhaps at the expense of Cody Bellinger. Who? Ah, let's just get to Cody Bellinger next. Expense of Cody Bellinger? I don't know about the expense. Well, maybe not, but we'll get to Bellinger in a second. But Edwin Rios is a guy who just he puts on BP shows and lights up exit velocity guns and whatnot, but. Uh, and again, they may be able to make room for all these guys, but a mixed league caliber player, you're not you're not there yet on on uh, Edwin Rios. Not even close because um, even with because he's probably going to make the roster. Keeping in mind in April they're going to 28, not 26. Good point. Whether he can keep that spot or not remains to be seen. What I'm going to be watching is how much the Dodgers use Kevin Pillar. Uh, he's on the roster. He, in theory, is you're backing up all three of your outfield positions. He's not good enough to DH. Maybe you float him through DH once in a while, but you've got some much better bats. So is Kevin Pilar the – I mean, you don't take any of your regulars out for defense. Maybe you have to move Kristen, Chris Taylor out of left and put Pilar in and put Taylor in the infield or something like that on a given day. But if, if, if Pilar is getting a lot of playing time, Rios probably isn't. Now, Rios could be the initial DH if Max Muncy isn't ready to go, but it does sound like he'll be ready to go. But um, I do like Rios and NL only, but kind of liked him before. Uh, I don't know that I'm liking him anymore now. I hear you. See, I'm, I, I think he's fringe for mixers, but yeah, 15 team. I may try to sneak him through. In a league or two, Edwin Rios this weekend for a buck. I just, just because I, I do see some upside. Yeah, but I just I don't. In order for me to to be mixed league worthy, in that you need to have at least be the strong side of a platoon. I don't see that. Hmm. So that's that's yeah. that's what I don't see. I mean, I'd even rather. The, you're right that even with the Pollock trade, there is still not a super I mean, clear path. For... I mean, you know, we've we've got you know I know this is you know reading you know reading the tea leaves. We've got Lux at second. And we have Chris Taylor and left. I mean, you can flip flop those, and it doesn't change anything. Um, and it, it Muncie at Muncie at DH. So I don't know where Rios fits in. To me, I don't know how good he is defensively. And obviously, some of these other guys can play third. But Turner is going to miss his, some games, so I wouldn't. That might be his opening. Now Jake Lamb still hanging around. I don't think, you know, I'd rather much have a Rios on my roster than a Jake Lamb. Maybe Lamb is the guy that makes it as one of the 27 or 28th guys and then goes away. We'll see. 
Well, I mentioned Cody Bellinger. You sound like you don't really have all that many concerns with, with playing time from the jump. He is making $17 million this year. But things have gotten real ugly for Cody Bellinger. He's got 17 Ks and 27 Cactus League at-bats, and they just had him on the backfields or in a minor league game or whatever, taking at-bats you know, to begin every inning. And it just seems like maybe they are kind of starting to, to panic a little bit. Like they're, When the team starts to get uneasy, I, I'm if I were already uneasy, I'm super uneasy now. So I've seen Cody Bellinger's ADP has fallen quite a bit, like two rounds already. In light of these spring training struggles, have you ever had any doubts about whether spring training stats affect the market? They certainly do. Um, but you think Cody's going to give be given a long leash to figure things out? Yes, I do. I don't. I don't know. I mean, we're at this point. Yes, I don't have anything on my spreadsheet that has that can figure this out. It's you know we're all just talking and we're all baseball fans and we use our common sense intuition and sixth sense. I see a drop to seventh or eighth in the batting order before I see a uh, sent down to the minors or even just on the bench. I think they, yeah, I think I you have not to see the minors, but I could see a, you know, playing time taking a big hit for yeah. Bellinger. I think you have to, the only way he's going to get out of it is if he gets reps. Um, and if he, you know, if he just settles down and settles upon one approach and just goes with it and see what happens, he's just too talented for something and I have a, to me, it's also one of those when he gets it, he gets it. And whether it's approach or swing or whatever, whatever it is, it's ails him right now. When it clicks to me, I, this again, supposition, when it clicks, it clicks and I, it'll be fine. So I don't know. I, uh, I'm willing to, I'm not, he's not on my ground. I have to, we're doing the, the round table. I think it's going to be updated tomorrow. If all goes well. Yeah, hopefully we'll have an um, update tomorrow for the round table. I mean, I have to put a number next to him or else you guys get all mad at me and, and Peter Shanky calls me up and says we're paying you to put a number by his name. Do it. Nothing. Just joking. There, That's but never happened. I, I know. <laughs> I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, yeah, I'm now, yes, so I'll put a number because that's what we need, need to do. When I walk into my drafts, his name's kind of already crossed out. I hear you. By the way, this is off topic, but we got to jump in with this. I was hoping to get some news on DeGrom during the show, and we just got it. Uh, Anthony DeComo, I think of the New York oh, MLB.com, and then Jake uh, Jeff Passan as well. So Jacob DeGrom will miss opening day after imaging showed a stress reaction in his right scapula. So DeComo of MLB.com says that, he, that DeGrom will be shut down completely for four weeks after which point the Mets will reevaluate. So this is big news for fantasy. Did not take long for those Jake DeGrom in the first uh, picks to, to really look bad, but you know, that's the, that's the name of the game. People shooting for the stars and they got burned in this particular case. Now with DeGrom shut down completely for four weeks, that means you probably build up or build in a, another month to ramp up and maybe two weeks for a rehab assignment. We could be looking at, Two and a half months for DeGrom, maybe half the season. You know what, though? If whatever is wrong, if they found it and they heal it, and I and once he comes back, he's in there every five days, that's fine. He showed us what he can do last season in a short amount of time. Uh, as a baseball fan, I think we both want it because if we're not watching our respective favorite teams and Jacob DeGrom's on the mound, we want to watch that game because it's so fun. Uh, but I, you know, is this, 
he's had so many different issues that, all right, now they fix this one or this one goes away. He's not out of the woods for something else happening, right? This is not the elbow. So yeah, you can't just assume he's going to be back after, yeah, like, on that yeah. timetable. Right. So it is a shame for those that, you know, I'm not, neither of us are here to, you know, I told you so. Not at yeah, all. Everybody has their own strategies and we, we can't, the karma, we're going to get a guy hurt as soon as we say that. It, I just don't draft any pitching early and it's not because of anything other than I want my bats early. Um, yeah. I'm kind of a little bit, it's nice to have the news, but again, as a fan, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, check back this weekend for the roundtable to see where we all settle on DeGrom because right now I just don't, you know, my instant reaction is probably to bump him to outside the top 150. Yeah, you're going to have to keep looking. And granted, you can put a replacement in. We probably should, you know, let's head to the Mets. You know, is it David Peterson? Is it uh, Trevor McGill? I guess Tyler McGill longer Trevor McGill is the other McGill. But, um, you know, now, now it's more even incumbent upon Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker to stay healthy. Right now, just very tentative off the cuff. I just put the ground 226 on my cheat sheet. So right, right in line with Luis Severino, who also has some arm trouble. I, I take him, I'll take him 225. I think that's way too low. Oh, you think that's I'm too just, low? For, just oh, okay. I was going to say. I, I We've been doing maybe, this long enough, Clay. You yeah, should know me by true. now. <laughs> it's that's a long stash on Degrom, so yeah, maybe yeah. if you don't even have him top three hundred, I I could totally see that too. Uh, uh, top three hundred, I mean, that's I think I have that's twenty. You know, that's I'm taking it before the twentieth round because once you're around fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, it's fungible, right? That's when you're taking. Um, I'm going to say Jordan Lyles. That's not. That's when you're taking Anthony Desclafani, right? I'd rather have Degrom as much as I do like Desclafani. As a streaming type, uh, I'd rather stash Degrom at that point. He's not making it that far, I don't think. And if you have IL spots, that changes the game a little bit, the equation little bit. entirely. And but yeah, if you're if I'm just assuming seven or six bench spots with no IL, then yeah, it's going to be tough to pull the trigger on Degrom. Kind of in that same boat as Tatis now, where just a long term stash and you're left kind of wondering what you're going to get. If you're going to get that same level of performance yeah, right yeah. away coming off the injury. So big yeah. news again, Anthony DeComo of MLB.com reports and Jeff Passan of ESPN confirms that Jacob DeGrom has suffered a stress reaction in his right scapula is going to miss opening day and will be shut down completely for four weeks. After which point the Mets will reevaluate. So big, big news on Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. And if you happen to hear Clay and I tomorrow on MLB Network Radio and we didn't talk about it, there's a pretty good chance we didn't know about it at that time. <laughs> I was just thinking about that, too. I was like, oh, oh man, we, we didn't, we we should didn't re- time re- that one right. We could re-record that segment, right? <laughs> <laughs> I won't subject you to that, but, yeah, I, maybe they'll have to do some trimming. Although we did make it clear that uh, at the time yeah, of the recording, we didn't know the We've got to let them be so. behind the fourth wall at this point. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, on more positive, on a more positive note, it does sound like some of these youngsters we're seeing around the game could uh, begin the season on the big league roster. We've been so just accustomed and conditioned to expect service time manipulation, and that's not completely going away. We've seen with O'Neill Cruz, that's still going to be a, a factor for some teams and some prospects. But Bobby Witt, Julio Rodriguez, Spencer Torkelson, maybe. Riley Green, if today's injury doesn't prove to be too serious, 
Sounds like we could all get all those guys on the opening day roster this year, along with Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Matt Brash, Reed Detmers, maybe Bryson Stott. So uh, I love to see these kids, again, likely getting the, the nod on opening day. I think it's a great thing for the game of baseball. Right. It's part of why we were delayed so much before the lockout ended was for these particular scenarios. And I don't think you're going to find the, you know, when you start to try to figure out how to make it go away, you're not going to land on the ideal set of circum or the, you know, set of rules right away. And I think they came up with a couple of good ones with the rookie of the year gaining service time and, and getting uh, the team getting draft picks. I think, I think that's part of the reason why, uh, Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez, and you mentioned Green and I think Torkelson too from Detroit. Why they may all be getting consideration is because the team could benefit, and they those are as opposed to O'Neill Cruz, you at least have wild card aspirations from those teams, and I think they're legit. I don't think they're pie in the sky. I think Detroit, I even Kansas City, I think you can have legit wild card aspirations. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, and I think it's smart for teams to, you know, push those chips in and I think it's also good to make right with the player, like do right by the player and establish a strong connection to maybe get them under contract long-term or just, mm-hmm. just to keep them happy. Like we saw how things went with South with Chris Bryant and that whole situation. And, um, yeah. I just think it's a great thing for the game. Now I know just knowing you Todd, I, I'm assuming you're not going to be t- paying the increased costs on some of these guys, 
James Anderson said that in his main event, he pulled the trigger on Julio Rodriguez in the 13th round. I think in a lot of drafts moving forward, that'll probably be the norm. So uh, this is really with these youngsters entering the pool right away. It shakes up the market. Uh, can you just confirm for me that my assumption that you are not going to be chasing these youngsters? He could tell you, Clay, but man, I've been thinking about it. And you're wrong. I'm going to be all <laughs> over these guys. April Fool's. Uh, hey, keep me guessing. <laughs> April, oh, April Fool's. Fool's. Okay, I got you. <laughs> oh, boy, am I lame. Anyway, um, what's the best April Fool's Hey, we had to have an April pulled? Fool's joke Some. What's the best one you ever pulled? You Unfortunately, ever that DeGrom news was not an April Fool's joke. Right. I, uh, I don't know if I've ever really pulled a good April Fool's joke. I, was, I can't really think of one. I was president of my dorm and undergraduate. And we found this TV in a storage closet. It didn't work. It was broken. But we, you know, we didn't, no one knew that about me and the guy that found it. And we were going to have a dorm party. And half, we, we used to do this. You follow me on Twitter. I always wish happy new month. We used to have, we used to have a new month celebration where a bunch of us passed around one beer. Yep, one beer. So people wanted to have a new month theme party on April 1st. It was a Saturday. And others wanted to have an April Fool's theme party. On the Saturday. So I came up with the idea that, you know what, we'll just do both. Let's have a new month party and I will, I will fool all you guys. And everybody goes, all right, you know, sure, do it. So um, we found this TV and we, we would talk a couple, you know, a couple people were in on it and we talked about how great a TV it was and what should we do with it. We're, we're talking about it at lunch and when other people can hear us. So you know, people think it's real and they said, hey, you know, how about, how about we raffle it off? at the party over the weekend. Why don't we just give it away to someone in the dorm? And they have to be there in order to win it, but let's just give, you know, whatever. So yeah, so everybody shows up for the party thinking it's a new month party, but I made this promise that it's a the April Fool's. So we get the TV out and we go to pick a name and we, April Fool's and I fooled the dorm. Problem is the dorm was all mad at me and you don't really want that either. But anyway, um, back <laughs> I in the day. I never pulled a good one of those. I remember, at our school, they pulled a senior prank that involved like manure. It was pretty disgusting. So that kind of uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pushed me uh, off of, of yeah. Pranks. A TV that doesn't work versus manure. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, they like sprayed sprayed the whole uh, school. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, that's that's not good. I think that kind of uh, scarred me to uh, pranks. Yeah, that, that, then you, you need a person to toilet paper everything to get rid of it all. All right, where were we? We were talking about uh, minor leaguers. Which one were we up to? Well, we we're just kind of talking about oh, all yeah. those well, guys. We're, we're Bryson great. Stott, I kind of mentioned it as the last guy in that group, but it sounds like he could play at third over Alec Bohm. So yeah, I, um, suddenly a lot of fresh faces in the pool. I'm not going to be the one that takes Rodriguez in the 13th, 14th, or 15th, or, or, or Bobby Witt in the 4th, 5th, and 6th. I still trust myself to be able to find a solid player. However, I will, I'm in on the Bryson Stott in the 17th or whatever that might be now. I'm, I'm into the Jerry Pena, Jer, Jeremy Pena in the 20th or 21st. I I will roll my dice. Um, a, a, a Josh Winder or mm-hmm. Winder. I don't, I don't want to mispronounce the Minnesota starter. I took a couple shots on him because he's going to be in the rotation. I like the defense. I like the park, but that it's free. It doesn't cost me anything. I'm not going to invest on what it, the assets it takes to get a Rodriguez when there's still other players that I trust a little bit more, I'm all over these guys in keeper leagues, and that's a different story. Uh, but yeah, my mo has not changed in that in that regard. 
I hear you. You know, we've talked about how a lot of people go into those leagues with an overall component, thinking they need to like shoot for the stars and hit a home run early with every pick and, you know, just reach for upside and prioritize upside above everything. And we've talked about how that's not really the case. Like you kind of just need to hit your doubles early. And, you know, if you shoot for the stars, every pick, you're probably going to, it's like that thing in baseball where you go up to the plate looking to hit a homer. You, you rarely do, but if you're just looking to make good contact, you could. And uh, that's how I plan to take, you know, that's the kind of the mentality I plan to take into things. But if I can still get Julio Rodriguez in like the 12th or 13th, I, I think that's like a, a price where the cost isn't so much prohibitive anymore. And the, the margins between players start to thin out. So maybe I'll, I'll jump on him there. I don't think that's the kind of draft capital that's going to kill you if you invest it. Unless uh, it, it wisely. To me, it would have to depend upon what I have going up to that point. Would I rather take a shot? At this point, the closers are taking a shot on her. You need to go in the 10th round, right? I mean, they're, they're, you know, I can't say if Scott Barlow's still there, I take him because he's not going to be anymore. It depends. If I'm really comfortable with what I have and I don't feel I need to, oh no, if I don't get Josh Bell here, I'm not going to, I'm going to have to wait and get, you know, a really, really cruddy first baseman or whatever. I could see, although Bell's more than eighth or ninth round, but that's my point. If I'm comfortable with what I have, all right, I'm more willing to take the chance at that point on a Julio Julio Rodriguez. I better learn to say the name because we're both going to be saying it a lot coming in the next uh, in the next several years. So yeah, I can he's going to be a star. Yeah, and I can. I mean, I can clearly justify it because if you do take him, you're going to take. I mean, I'm going to say Cole Calhoun, but you know what I mean. You're going to take a boring guy later. You're going to take A.J. Pollock later to uh, hedge. But yeah. um, or you meet, well, no, actually, there really isn't anybody on uh, who who loses playing time in Seattle now if Rodriguez, uh, if Rodriguez breaks camp. Who would be the uh, – who, who well, loses Kyle time? Lewis is hurt, right? But Right. He was DH he, anyway, uh, right? Yeah, was, that's true. He was kind of – and I was going to say, you know, Fraley's now gone, Hanniger, and Kellenick is for sure. Um, I don't know. I mean – Adam Frazier is his second base. I mean, I guess if you had any hopes for Dylan Moore or for Taylor Trammell, who's already been sent down. So yeah. I guess and like Luis Torrens, if you thought maybe he'd get some DH at best, maybe those drive. Oh, you know, well, just, yeah, there's Jesse Winker. So, so right now you assume Winker actually, well, Winker's in the outfield. If Rodriguez is in the, in the minors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but if Rodriguez is up, Winker's probably DH and a lot. Which really, really helps the defense, right? Because now you've got Haniger, <laughs> Kellenick, and Rodriguez. And you know, you know, when we talk about, well, he's a fly ball pitcher, I want that. I want my guy to be a fly ball pitcher in Safeco Park with those Safeco Field with those guys run down behind him. One more question for you on these youngsters before we move yeah. on to the, the closers. The um closers. now Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Matt Brash, Reed Detmers. If I put a gun to your head, and I, I promise I won't actually do that, Todd, but who do you like if you had to roll the dice on one of those guys? I'm going to be honest, okay? Um, I don't know, talent-wise, how to rank them. I, I rely on James. I rely same, on same. other people that do that sort of thing. I will – I mean, I'll read, I'll read whatever I can, but I will look for opportunity. And Matt Brash, to me – I like the. I just mentioned the outfield. I just mentioned the defense. Matt Brash to me 
has got the clearest pathway to playing time, you know, starts and the, the team context is pretty darn good. So was it Justin Dunn that Seattle, I know he wasn't ready to go right away, but once Seattle traded Dunn to, I believe the Reds, right. Mm-hmm. I kind of like, well, let's take a look to see why they did that. And I think one of the reasons, and not that Dunn is any great shakes, but I think he's still got some pet, some, some potential. So why did they do that? Well, what they did that was potentially the clearer pathway for Dunn for Brash. Now, Justice Sheffield, is this is this finally the not the nail in the coffin, but finally the time to make him the reliever that we always knew that he could possibly be? Or is Seattle going with six? You don't go with you don't go with the sixth man when you got Robbie Ray and Marco Gonzalez. So um yeah, I want Brash. I know right now we have him listed sixth, but if I'm not mistaken, Sheffield is not having a good camp. Hmm. Um yeah, that could that could easily be a flip flop there. Uh, let's see spring training. You know what? I'm thinking of the other. I'm thinking of Jordan, who got sent down by Colorado. Mm. Only four and two thirds hasn't given up a run yet. Three strikeouts, so it's not terrible. It's not great, but um, really not stretched maybe you out. Piggyback either. those two, maybe, maybe, maybe if Sheffield piggybacks Brash, and you know when Brash has a short outing, they can bring in Sheffield for three or four. Yeah, it's a long year. You, you're going to do a tandem so, back at the back end there. Now, um, pedigree wise, I think you ignore what Reed Detmers did. And he's at the same decent team, uh, decent park context, contextually. So I think, I think that the Reds, you know, just by reading, I think Lodolo and Green might be better pitchers. But I think team contextually wise, I would go Brash and then Detmers. I think that's probably the right call. I mean, a lot going against Green and Lodolo with that home ballpark and the defense behind him. Well, uh, on this topic of the shifting fantasy baseball draft market we have to touch on all these closer shakeup situations i mean it's been one guy after another in those middle tiers seems to be dropping and you know blake trinan but also camilla duvall because it sounds like jake mcgee is uh at least right now gabe kapler's number one doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get the ball in every safe situation but it sounds like he's the one a there jake mcgee and he was really the guy the the guy down the stretch last year until he hurt his oblique. It wasn't really a mix and match type situation. So what do you think? Jake McGee up to like the 10th, 9th round? Is that, or is that even still too low? It might be depending upon if we're, you know, again, we're very NFB centric around here. Uh, Your home leagues, it may not cost as much, but the weekend in New York, the the main event weekends, I think he's in a single digit round yet to, to your point. He had 31 saves last year. That's a lot in today's game. 30, you know, I mean, this, you know, 30 is the old 35. And it's not 40, but, you know, when we used to say 35, well, he didn't get 40. Now it's 31. Well, he didn't get 35, you know. Uh, so 31 is a de- decent amount of saves. And that's what he got last year. And that's, like you suggest, missing two and a half weeks. Yeah. So I think the whole Gabe Kapler likes to use a mix and match. I think the Gabe Kapler in Philadelphia liked to use a mix and match because he didn't have anything there. He had to, mm-hmm. you didn't have to last year. So um, I liked McGee more than, especially at the price. I liked McGee more than Duvall. Um, this isn't to say that McGee can't struggle and Duvall throws strikes and he's right in there, but I, I like the idea 
of having McGee on rosters already. Yeah, I got to admit, you know? I do too, not to rub it in, but I got him in the 20th round in the FSGA league on Monday. And so, yeah, his price has pretty much doubled at this point, Jake McGee. Well, DVR and I have Duvall in a league we do together that drafted literally the day after the season ended. And we dealt Duvall in like the 17th. Mm-hmm. So that's not, I mean, that's not a big deal, right? No, that's not. But, and at the time, yeah, he was the closer down the stretch, or at least yeah. in the postseason. I mean, I can hear the arguments now is, well, um, it's best to draft a closer early because you lock him down and someone's going to go, I don't know, I drafted Jake McGee and I did just fine. It's, it's Jake McGee uh, and Craig Kimbrell, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's not, you know, it's, any strategy, you know, I, I say it's Scott Pianowski says it, you know, a lot of us, because it's so obvious. Any straight, sometimes it's not the, you know, not the what, but the who, you know, it's not the strategy. It's just, you happen to lot you know, if you want to only draft players, whose last name begins with L, you're probably going to put together a good team. If you can cherry pick it after the season's over, you know, I mean, it's, so any strategy can work if you pick the right players. So I do, I, I have mentioned this. I am very curious to see come season's end, what the most successful teams did in terms of closing. Um, I promise you. I tell a big part of the story. Well, I, I promise you, it's going to be people that waited, but the chance of waiting. I kind of, I went over this example with, with Jeff Erickson over the weekend. Get a little mathy on a Friday. I don't mean to, but the numbers aren't perfect. But I think what it comes down to is, um, let's say there's an eighty percent chance that you draft a closer early and he does well. That's four out of five, eighty percent chance. If you do that, let's just sake of argument say there's a fifty percent chance your team does really good. So 80 times 50, or the 40% chance you're going to compete now, which in a 15-team league, it's, it's you know, that's kind of, I mean, 1 to 15. So a 40% chance is pretty good. It's especially finishing the money because there's a 20% chance of finishing the money. So you doubled your odds because we're good drafters and you listen to us or whatever. All right. I like to wait. You know what? There's only a 50-50 chance that I land on a closer at the end. I already blew it with Joe Barlow. So there's a 50-50 chance. But if I do get it right, I think it's like an 80% chance my team does really good. It's the same 40%. We can maneuver that you could argue, well, there's no way there's an 80% chance. And we can, you know, but the point being, that's the decision that we all have to make is, you know, kind of fill in our own numbers and which gives us a better chance of winning. I'll bet you by the year's end, uh, the teams that do really well in the NPC waited and just happened to get lucky on a closer. Now, anytime you build a strategy around, when you're playing, when you're laying out $1,700 and the strategy is I need to get lucky. Well, that's a huge risk, right? Mm. So, um, but I think you need to get lucky if you draft a closer in the second and you need to go lucky with your starting pitching and you need to get lucky with your steals. So I think no matter what you do, you're going to get lucky somewhere. I hear you. I'm sure your math checks out, but it did sound a little bit like Steiner math there for a second. I, I, uh, no, me, it's, I, yeah, I trust it's, your math. It's Chris Lissian. Uh, the way it's the approach, it's, it's probability time, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, we can argue that I made up the numbers to fit my point, make it oh, 40% on both, but and that's part of it. Maybe I feel my maybe I feel those numbers are right. Maybe I feel I do have a 50% chance, and if I do well, an 80% chance, and that's why I, I favor it. But you like, there's no way if I do that, it's like a 50 50 chance I win, so it's only a 25%, you know. So I think that's part of you start somewhere and you make your decision how to go. Mostly, I just wanted to get a Steiner reference in because they're going into the Hall of Fame tonight. I saw, uh, so I love Scott Steiner, Rick too. But 
I Scott don't, in particular. I don't follow it as closely. Isn't is one of their kids in one of their kids involved now? Yeah, I think reading? Rick's son is in wrestling. Now. I think, I yeah, don't I, I, I don't really watch WWE. Either. I my Twitter feed thinks I do, so I keep getting the you know so and so's trending or whatever, but. Nah, I just I don't know. I just want to see Scott with a live mic tonight. So I'm going to probably have to watch Scott <laughs> Steiner's induction just to see if he says anything crazy. But Todd, my condolences to you on your Joe Barlow shares. Not that they're dead in the water, but it doesn't sound like he's necessarily going to be the Texas closer. I, given that you like the skills, I don't assume you're like crossing them off your list. But obviously, you do have to probably pump the brakes a little bit on Joe Barlow. Well, I didn't assume he was going to be the Texas closer previously, right? I mean, I was getting him in the. I mean, to me, he was he was he's always been a speculative pick. To me, I mean, he was a. I liked him as a, a bit of a higher speculative pick than than somebody else, but it's always been speculative. I paid six bucks in labor. That's not much, is it? I don't think. No, for, no. You know, I mean that's that's isn't that isn't six bucks what you pay for a good setup man and ale only? I think it Plus, is. Plus. You mentioned too, like it's the yet from Chris Woodward. Yeah, right? I mean, like well, was... then I can get into all that. Yeah, and is the, I heard you and James talking earlier today on on the, on, the, on Sirius that it, it, to me it was kind of vague. You could interpret it a few different ways, and none of them are really bad. James James read into it as Barlow's still the best reliever, but we want to use him in a fireman's role. But then you kind of pointed out, well, the reason they they're doing that is because the they they want experience, so I don't know. You know, it, it, it was such a vague comment, and I read it as he's not yet the closer, hmm. which means you know, last year he got eleven saves, like in the last you know week and a half. I have a lot of draft champions teams. I can't drop him anyway, so he just I just have to remember to put, you know he's you know I, I I'm fine with that, right? Um, it's on the Fab teams that I'm going to have to make a decision, and I'm not going to run out to replace him. Unless there's no one else to drop and McGee is available, right? Then I'll drop him. But if I have no one else to drop, and I do because I made some bad picks. Everybody did. Uh, no, they weren't bad. They were unlucky. But the manager made yeah, a dumb decision, right? Yeah. yeah, the manager made a dumb decision. I wasn't it wasn't wrong with pick. the process. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, but, you know, no one, no one, we're not talking about Scott, Bolo, Scott, Scott, Scott Barlow yet, so – Here's my 50-50, right? I just said it's kind of a 50-50 chance. So there we go. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I wouldn't be actively looking to drop Joe Barlow, but I could see some scenarios where, yeah, if you got some injuries, maybe you're tempted to or maybe what about you're forced you drop, into it. Yeah, I'm probably Trinan? dropping Trinan. Maybe in a 15-team league you hold on to him, but yeah, yeah, you may just be delaying the inevitable by a week. So if you right. see somebody out there that you – you won and, and improving your bench spots as you've made the point many times, you know, you, you, you look to fill holes in your active lineup, but churning your bench and improving your bench is, is wildly important to fantasy baseball. Yeah. In a 15 team, you usually have one reliever. Well, I don't know about everybody, but I'd like to have one reliever who I'm going to put in my lineup when my, you know, when I, when my Bailey over has a really bad matchup and I want to put a reliever in. Well, so what I might do, if I, who do I have? Maybe I have Trevor May. Okay. Maybe I have Tyler Duffy. What I may do is drop Duffy and put Trinan into that. If I have Trinan and Duffy both expecting Trinan to close and May to be my, you know, my slided in guy, I will drop the slided in guy and Trinan then fills the, um, 
you know, third reliever when I have six good but not seven good starters, and then making it with the possibility of getting a save. I, I hear you completely. Uh, by the way, Rowan Wick, no lock to be the Chicago Cubs closer. Sounds like maybe David Robertson, Michael Givens, maybe a handful of pic- uh, mixture of pitchers in the roles, I think, how the uh, article phrased it. So his his closing opportunities are like a candle in a wind, in the wind? Oh, Wick, Wick pun. That's a Jeff Erickson. That's Jeff Erickson. I can hang right with there. Jeff. I, I, don't, I don't, I mean, it's Jeff's the, the king. But I, I can hang with Jeff if I want yeah, to. Yeah, but you have to have – it has to be a certain level of bad, the pun. And that oh, that's right. Mine was good. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. I guess that one no. was that. Um, <laughs> um, anyway. My other note here was Dylan Flora won't be ready. So just a ton of turnover already here with the closers. Anthony Bender, I think, you know, maybe he's not up in that Jake McGee range. But, man, if there's a guy who could take the job and run with it, you got to think it's Bender. Yeah, and his owners can go and get really drunk. You know what that's called, right? <laughs> okay. All right, all right. I should have quit. Plus, when, hey, you I should have quit another candle. I should have quit. I'm sorry. No, and this that is why we can't, we can't. That one was pretty darn good. We can't. I mean, we want him. Everybody makes the Howard Bender jokes, but you know, I'm just yeah. you know, anyway. Um, enough jokes. Yeah, I actually like. I like Bender's skills. So he was one of those guys that I would always would would be taking. He was on my list of. I mean, I'm not paying eight dollars for the good setup, man. I'm not paying $8 for Garrett Whitlock because everybody is. I'd rather put a buck on Bender. So now he's potentially going to close. And as we talked about, I have a feeling, as we're feeling, we're going to talk about tomorrow on on MLB. We'll see if Mattingly, Don Mattingly, is the old school, you can't lose your job because of an injury. Or if Bender crushes it in a couple weeks, for a couple of weeks, well, in a week, for a couple, can't less than a week, man. We should be talking about like the third game. We should be doing two start pitching this week, right? Well, next week we probably right. Will we, be, that's man. what we should have been doing now. Uh, but anyway, um, fortunately, we're doing it. I'll take the trade off. Fortunately, we're doing it next week. Bad pun week this week. Two start week next week. I think Bender can keep the job. We'll see if Mattingly wants to go that route. I also saw that Jordan Hicks for the St. Louis Cardinals will be back to relief. For whatever reason, they looked at maybe stretching him back out, but I think that ship has sailed, and the team seems to uh, be on that same page as well now. You know, he's closed in the past. He's got that electric arm. They seem to kind of want Giovanni Gallegos in a bit of a flexible role. Put you on the spot here, 29th round, 30th round. Would you throw that dart on Hicks, or would you consider maybe a guy like uh, David Robertson or some of these other you know, you're not going to get Bender there, but another spec, or would you maybe consider Jordan Hicks? If, I don't know, it's a hedge, but it's the truth. If I already have Kittredge and I already have Barlow and I already have uh, one other guy, whoever it might be, I'm throwing it on Hicks. If I need a guy, if I don't have anybody yet, I'm probably already would have drafted Robertson, to be honest with you. So if I feel I only have two closes and I need a third, um, uh, it's going to be Robertson because I do think he has a better, clear, clearer pathway. Although I don't know how many saves he'll get. I don't, there's no, there's no Hicks. Will he stay healthy? How often he's only pitched what ten innings last year, uh, and three of the minors. And I, you know, I yeah, didn't pitch Tommy at all. So the, even if he is the closer, um, and maybe he's going to be just because you can, you know, the, you know, he knows when he's going to pitch, right? When you when you need a, a set 
a somewhat of a set pattern. I could actually see him opening. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that might be the best place for him to is keep him on opener, that routine. Yeah, to keep maybe. him on that routine. But um, you know, to me, this I'm kind of talking myself into not drop. I don't know if I had Gallegos, but I think Gallegos is still going to be useful because you're not going to use Hicks on consecutive days, are you? No, no. I don't think. So you, they're, they're in, you know, the you know, Cardinals won what 100 games in a row or 20 games in a row. <laughs> they're going to go on streaks where, uh, well, who's to say the same thing? But they're a good team. They're going to get some saves. But um, you know, yeah. and, and even with Hicks's inefficiency with throwing so many balls and coming off of Tommy John, you know, I don't know how often, you know, there are going to be times where he can't go for two days because he pitched 38, 30 pitches on, on, you know, to get a save and he's, he's off the market for, or off the radar for two days. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one thing I was thinking about with Hicks is, you know, f- with his workload concerns, maybe kind of boxing him into the ninth wouldn't be the worst thing because he kind of in turn, just with the role, limit his usage because yeah, he can't pitch back to back. So you're not giving him every safe chance, but well, I guess I'm assuming he can't pitch back to backs, but uh, boxing a guy into the ninth kind of is a de facto, you know, workload management system. Like it's a way to manage the workload. So maybe that could help. Yeah. And be in Jordan Hicks's favor. Right. And, you know, all right, he's really good. But in order to be able to be the fireman, you have to kind of get loose quickly, right? You have to, you know, you have to get up. Oh, no, put the fire out. We didn't, you know, this two out rally. We didn't know this guy was going to walk and the next guy was going to, you know, double and get second and third with two outs. You know, bring bring him in. He's not going to get ready. But if he knows he's coming in the ninth, you know, you know, at some point during the inning, you get up and start to do your routine. So I, yeah, I can I'm see starting that. To, I'm starting to talk myself into the Hicks flyer. I was kind of on the Dart Warren uh, train, but now I'm kind of thinking maybe Luis Sessa closes. I have no idea, but maybe I'll throw that dart at Jordan Hicks instead. Real quick, uh, we'll bring you a word from our sponsors, but um, when we come back here, we will continue to talk about some news. And also the our first Mixed League Fab article of the year went up yesterday so jason shabilsky did a great job we'll touch on just a few of the names he mentioned there momentarily but first are you looking for a new platform for your fantasy baseball league fantrax is free mlb fantasy league manager is the most customizable easy to use and feature-rich platform in the industry fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry including minor league players fantrax offers dynasty keeper redraft and best ball leagues Coming from another service, Fantrax makes the process easy. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Sign up for free today and be entered to win Fantrax's MLB game day experience, which includes tickets to any MLB regular season game for your entire league and $1,000 towards travel and accommodations. All you have to do is host your fantasy baseball league on Fantrax to be entered. The more leagues you create, the more chances you have to win. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. Also, experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription Here's how you can claim your free Rotowire subscription. Visit rotowire.com slash thrive 
Deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. Then play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Finally, baseball is back. That's right, an entire glorious season, all 162 games. And with live events resuming, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with vivid seats. Every backdoor slider, every round tripper, and every double header can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats Rewards, you can start earning free tickets from your very first purchase. Just buy, collect stamps, and redeem. It's that easy. From behind the dugout to upper level, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the games that matter to you. And a little pro tip, buy tickets for your whole group, split the bill, and make progress towards your free ticket even faster. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. All right, Todd, as we wrap things up today, uh, just a couple other quick news items. Uh, Brian Hayes only running at about 50% taking ground balls, but I would expect to, to see him on the IL to start the year, given yeah, he's running still me, limited though. a week before opening day. He'd still beat me in a race. Oh, me too, easily. Um <laughs> And then also, I saw, you know, I'm not really putting much stock into this, but um, the Astros are starting Framber Valdez on opening day. And then Jake Odorizzi is starting game two. You're not really thinking, you know, that's anything to do with uh, Verlander's skills, right? It's just kind of they're probably pushing him back to, like, manage his, his innings. I know you're not a big Verlander guy this year, but that's not like a red, red flag, is it? That no, Odorizzi is starting over Verlander. And I, I don't know what the what the spring trading. I mean, you always have time to flip it so that you're lining up. Does this give Verlander the opening day start at home or something? Who knows? Oh, maybe that's part of it. I just I don't know. I'm, I saw it, that and I thought that's kind of weird that Odorizzi's getting the game two not over Verlander, but maybe maybe that's part of it uh, starting home and maybe just a way to kind of limit him. Who does, it could even be to give Odorizzi an easier matchup. I don't know. I'm, oh, the answer is do not. I'm not reading in anything into it. Um, I actually think that Louis Garcia is the is it should deserves start over Framber Valdez, but that's neither here nor there. So it looks like okay. So they're at the Angels for four. So that Verlander's going to start Game Three there, and then they're ah, okay. at Arizona. They have a bunch of road trips early, so maybe that does line Verlander up for. Oh, I don't know. Uh, at that point, it's not worrying. I mean, if it's not right away, yeah. then yeah, if he's doing the fourth and not the third game, no, I, I'm I just, not I just saw that. And it kind of, you know, for a second, it raised my eyebrow. Like, oh, why is Odorizzi getting, you know, higher in the rotation than Verlander? But I, it's probably just some, uh, not semantics, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not uh, worried about it. Yeah, just kind of a, a paper thing, but at least something to keep in mind. But anyway. Uh, fab starting this weekend. Remember, don't forget, especially if if you drafted early and if your fab starts this weekend, which it may may very well. Uh, now's a good time to pounce and yeah, upgrade bench spots, find fill in replacements in your active lineup. And our guy Jason Shabilsky, who's a great up and coming writer at RotoWire, uh, he wrote his first waiver pickups of the week article. MLB Fab will have individual AL and NL only Fab on Sunday, by the way, articles. But this mixed league fab, I thought he did a really good job on. He touched on guys like Mackenzie Gore, who's suddenly, you know, kind of back on the on the map for fantasy. Tony Gonsolin, part of that Dodgers rotation now. If he's still sitting out there in the 12, I think Gonsolin's a pretty strong pickup if you can get him. 
No, for sure. Um, anybody in the Dodgers is a strong pickup if you can get them. And I think it was, I don't know, say nothing's clear, but I thought the writing was on the wall that he would at least get a chance. So now it looks like it's, it's cemented in even with Kershaw in the rotation. So I do like, I mean, as a Red Sox fan, I was hoping that Gonsolin would go to the Red Sox in the Betts trade, but um, didn't happen, obviously. But that's how much I kind of like Gonsolin over the years. Keston Hero of the Brewers was mentioned in Jason's article, and he's kind of pulling an Undertaker a gif rising out of the coffin. And uh, maybe people weren't really willing to, to bury him quite yet, but people were real down on Hero. Uh, Jason Shabilsky doesn't, ex- you know, doesn't isn't a proponent of going more than like two bucks on him in a mixed league. But uh, is he somebody who clears that bar for you yet, or you still need to see more on the comeback train from Kessler? Right, so, with the caveat that I mean, the, the answer to the question is yes. Um, you know, we've seen this from here before in the spring, right? Mm-hmm. We've we've seen him crush it in the spring and then not do so well afterwards. But you know, anybody with the skills to hit the ball as hard as he did you got to keep him on your radar and you know we're numbers guys at least i'm a numbers guy you're more the touch and feel combined with the numbers guy listen his his mom was sick last year and he was obviously close with her and that just was weighing on his mind among everything else with the covid and everything else so you know how much of that affected things there's at least the possibility that it did some people that's a driving force other people it's a it's a drain so things are cleared up in that area. Maybe the maybe you know, maybe he can start to make better contact and be the hitter that we all think he could be. The, the only problem is his best position is designated hitter, and they've got some guy named Andrew McCutcheon there. So that's that's yeah. the main concern. Yeah, and Kutch can still play a corner spot, but yeah, if healthy, you do you do expect him to DH a fair amount. Rowdy probably DH in a little bit, so. And I think James said, like, you know, Keston, they're they're done with him at at second base, even like yeah. he's a first baseman or a DH, and that's about and the, all and, Keston Hira can do and, on on the defense. And, and, and if he if he tells me he forgot his first baseman's mitt, I'm not upset. He's just he's a born designated hitter. Now we didn't talk about this player among the Bobby Witts and the Julio Rodriguez types. But it sounds like C.J. Abrams is actually making a push for a roster spot. So this would be kind of a surprise. He's got speed. Uh, you know, he hasn't had enough time in the minors really to put up, like, monster speed totals. But uh, that's the, the main selling point there with C.J. Abrams. Only 21 years old, uh, but he was mentioned in the in Jason's Fab article among the, the shortstop options. I... I'd rather take the flyer on Jeremy Pena, who I know you kind of like there in Houston, but Abrams is a guy to at least keep in mind. And maybe if you have an open spot, you sneak him through for a buck or two. You don't have Abrams make the team to have him sit, right? I wouldn't think so. No, He's the shortstop until Tatis is back and maybe even further, right? If, if, if he's playing well, Abrams, now you find a spot to put Tatis in the outfield because th- people think he's going there anyway. Um, all right, I mean, right now, Jay Cronenworth is targeted for second base, so maybe you still can use the two of them in the middle. Who's to say? But, yeah, um, remember when Tatis first got hurt? Where, you know, people saying, what about Abrams? And, ah, and there's no way, there's no way. Well, apparently there is a way. 
yeah, that's that kind of expedited his arrival, but I think um yeah, anybody who discounted the possibility is certainly having to revisit the situation with CJ Abrams and yeah, it looks like given where they're at and how you know how invested they are in winning now, like you may as well see what Abrams can do and see if he can help your team win games immediately. Um, and then the other guy, well, there was a uh, oh, he mentioned Alejandro Kirk. And yeah, if you're in a one catcher league and Kirk's still out there in like a 12, I highly recommend going out and grabbing him because it looks like he's going to DH a lot. Then there was Jeremy Pena, who I alluded to. You like him, I know, not at like jumping up and getting crazy, but you like him as a, a late flyer. Right. I, I don't, you know, I'm not saying he's going to perform like Bobby Witt, but on a, at the relative cost, I think he's worth checking out. Because um, mm. middle's so deep, you probably, you know, I don't know who you have, David Fletcher, whoever you have it, already have there in the middle. I think he he is a flyer that I'm worth, t- that, I, that I think. And now, I was doing that before it became a little more obvious that he was going to start. I don't even know who's on the market now. I mean, I suppose you can make a trade. But I don't. I, I think Payne is the guy there now. But um, yeah. So I that that's more of the let my hair whatever left of it down than I am Bobby Witt. Like didn't Spore take him in the fourth? And you mentioned James. And I'm not. I'm not calling out these moves. I'm just pointing out that that's where these players are going. And one more, you know, he mentioned O'Neill Cruz, and yeah, if somebody dropped him, I, I get it. Maybe you stash him. But if you're still holding on to him, is that a move you're going to have to just? you know, stick with, or are you maybe thinking about dropping O'Neal Cruz if you draft him? Yeah, I'm probably dropping him. Uh, I, 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 it was even a flyer to take him in the first place. Yeah. I'm probably dropping him. Now, I don't know if we have an update yet. We haven't even mentioned the Detroit guys yet. I mean, with, with Torkelson and, and Riley Green. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, Green got hurt earlier today. Have you seen anything? Right. I have Riley not. Green? I have not seen yeah, I mean, you, 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 Degrom's just taking up. Degrom's taking up all the uh, all the space. I have not seen anything on Riley Green yet. Green underwent X-rays now. for an apparent foot injury, so that's not great. Still waiting on the results of those X-rays, but yeah, he was Riley Green was forced to undergo X-rays on his foot. Today. Yeah, and I mean, he made that diving catch yesterday. Mm-hmm. He's, I mean, he's doing it on both ends of the ball and. Torkelson at this point, we're just not hearing anything. It's almost like it's just taken for granted. He's just one of the, you know, just another guy now. I think that uh, yeah. we're forgetting how. It feels like him and Witt at least are the, like pretty much shoe-ins. Yeah. And, we'll uh, see about I, Riley Green and Julio. One so other Green, injury note I just saw during the show. Sorry to interrupt you, Todd, but Ken Giles dealing with a tendon issue in his right middle finger and will be shut down th- from throwing for a few weeks. So it kind of narrows that committee there in Seattle. Well, I didn't even have him in the committee, to be honest. You didn't have Giles in that mix? Not not right away. I hear you. I mean, I don't I think that he's potentially down the line, but did not have him right away, especially with that with that with that crowd there. Um the other I thought you were gonna mention was was Gary Crochet. I granted it's not a closer situation, but and I heard you and James talking about it too, where I think that's in keeper leagues, I love the idea of getting Crochet on the cheap this year, hoping he starts next year. But that's kind of off the table now. So, yeah, that's a tough one. We'll hope for the best on Riley Green. Again, we're still waiting on results from his X ray. But I, I cut you off to mention uh, something a minute ago. Did you did you have something you wanted to mention before we sign off today? Real quick, let's let's be uh, let's be good dudes and answer a question in the chat. Yeah, John, John Gray, Gray versus Tristan, Tristan McKenzie. McKenzie. 
Yeah. Um, okay, I'll me, put that up here. Yeah. See that? How I can do that on the live? Oh, feed? wow. That's why That's why they give you the big chair. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'm i on grit in a big way. Um, I got, I only have one chair. I got them in the stake league, but I, uh, I'm, I'm there with you. Working on a new slider. Mitch Garver is really good at optimizing pitch mix and that sort of thing. This is nothing against Tristan McKenzie, but I don't think Jen, I don't think we're giving gray enough, um, you know, 58 year old, enough love. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're treating, I don't, I don't think he's getting as much draft capital as he should be. Love John gray. Mm-hmm. And the theme of this show has been like the changing market and uh, gray kind of fits that mold too, because Rob Silver just tweeted about Gray recently, and Rob moves markets, so I kind of actually expect Mar- Gray's ADP to tick up a little. He moves mountains, not just yeah, he markets. Does. He does. He moves. They're Canadian mountains, but they're mountains nonetheless. They're definitely certain people, Rob, and you know the robot James Anderson. There's people yourself, Todd, really move markets, and uh, yeah, I actually yeah, look, do look expect where, Gray to tick up. Look a where Bailey Over's being drafted now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, like Joe Ryan, too. I know uh, Paul Spore was really on him, and now he's getting the opening day nod, Joe Ryan. So that's kind of cool. Over Dylan Bundy. Yeah, that was probably a tough <laughs> choice. Uh, but great stuff today, Todd. Really appreciate all the insights and appreciate you all being with us uh, throughout the preseason. We're finally almost there. Good luck in the rest of your drafts, and hope you'll join us every Friday. Todd and I here on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Yeah, Todd? I was say, let's give a quick shout out to the first tout table that's up. Oh, good call. Yeah, I didn't are, uh, get a chance to weigh in, and I apologize well, we're gonna, to you personally for that. We're going to look for a new owner for your team tomorrow. Um, <laughs> no, real quick, it's just about 40 or, five, 40, or 40 or so observations about how you want to look at your draft this weekend from uh, from people that have done drafts. So, anyway. Yeah, all the best minds in the industry weighing in on that. Except so yours. Should, yeah, well, I don't qualify as one of the best. But, no, I uh, the tout table's great, and you guys do – you guys really over at toutwars.com provide a lot of – useful in-season tools like the the fab runs and i'm probably going to be checking that not this weekend but the future sundays to cross check be sure i didn't miss anybody on my fab list appreciate it todd thank you all again talk to you next friday on the rotowire fantasy baseball podcast